Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the day in which you've given us. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. Uh, God, as we kick off this season, uh, we ask that we can continually remember what it is that you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do. Uh, God, you have us here for a purpose, and you've made us for a reason. And uh, God, we ask that as we open your word today, we can just hear from you. Uh, Lord, we ask that we can just let everything else just fade away for the next few minutes. Um, and we can just focus on what it is you have to say. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. <clears throat> All right. Good job, Jake. Good job, buddy. We're trying to start a, maybe start a new tradition uh, doing those, those readings. Um, just to kind of get everybody on the same page, understanding what it is that we're doing. Um, so when we enter into this season, we're more prepared. I love this season. I love this time of year, especially now, um, because, you know, you have Thanksgiving has just happened. And with Thanksgiving, you know that, that something's special right around the corner, uh, a season that... Um, Brings a lot of excitement, uh, a lot of disappointment, but uh, also a lot of, of, of friendships can be rekindled and uh, fellowships can, can be had. Um, and you can have this time when you can just have this peace. This peace, it's like, like this stillness. So nothing beats deer season. Um, <laughs> when uh, tomorrow is the first day, no, I'm, it is. Tomorrow is the opening day of deer season. So um, if you call me or text me and I do not answer, uh, that's because I got a 30-point buck in my sights. So uh, <laughs> no, but let's, let's pray for all of the hunters that are going to be out there um, to, you know, tomorrow and, and throughout the week. Uh, this does bring out uh, the, the best in everybody. Uh, you get a lot of city folk who wants to, they, they want to try to be a little red. Um, redneck, that's what, you know, what I'm talking about. want to be a little red, and they put on the orange, and then they go out in the woods and whatever. So pray for us. Um, but uh, no, that's not, that's not the season that I'm talking about. I'm talking about Advent. Uh, Advent is, is an awesome time of year. Uh, now, growing up in, in uh, the, the church in which I grew up in, we really didn't celebrate a lot of, of, of Advent. I think Advent was more or less um, a, a little calendar in which we, we had that uh, you got little prizes, little chocolates or uh, something throughout, you know, for every day. I think I've shared with you guys in the past that uh, my, my mother got my son a, an Advent calendar a couple years ago, and it was Legos. Um, so every day he opened up a little window and there's a little Lego guy or whatever, a little Lego piece to, to put together. So there's just a joyous time dodging more Legos on, you know, hardwood floors, um, trying not to, uh, try not to, to say obscenities. But anywho, um, Advent is, is something way more important than just a little calendar or a little Lego set. Advent's all about a promise. And, and, and I think that uh, with us, we have a tendency to kind of lose the meaning of things. So what we're going to do over, you know, starting today and over the next uh, few weeks, uh, four weeks to be exact, 
um, including today, is we're going to talk about Advent and kind of just e- either uh, bring to remembrance what it is that you know, or for some of you, it may be the first time uh, that you've ever experienced uh, an Advent service or, or celebrated an Advent, you know, intentionally celebrated in, in an Advent season. Um, so, if you have a Bible, please turn to uh, Genesis chapter 3. As you're turning there, I, I think that we need to understand this promise in which we are uh, going to talk about. And to understand the, the promise, you have to understand the problem. But to understand what promise really means, I, I think that we need to make sure that we have a, a clear um, definition of what that term is. Because everybody in here has made promises, right? Promises to your kids, promises to your husbands, promises to your wives. You've even made promises to God. God, if you just get me through this night, I promise I'll never do that again, or whatever it may be. The promise, promise, promises. But do we really understand what promises are? Well, um, in, in fashion that, that um, Ogre would be proud of, I Google definition of promise. Yay, there you go. A declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that particular thing will happen. All right, so it's a declaration or, uh, or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that particular thing will happen. Now, if we think of that, that definition and we, we, we kind of um, hear that and let that, that sink in a little bit, we can kind of run through our minds of, of, of all of the um, promises that have not been withheld in our lives. Um, not, and I'm not saying I don't want to you know, hash old memories or, or old feelings or anything, but I think that what we have is during this season, we have a tendency to get lost in all the busyness of life, right? Um, I made the, 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 the huge mistake... Um, it wasn't really a huge mistake. I, I, I went out black, you know, black Friday shopping for the first time in my life. Um, and, and it was because I was, uh, I was coerced into going to a store that I've never been to, and it, I was told that it was like a, a, a man's toy store. So Menards, and, you know, I've never been to Menards before. Some of you guys are sitting here like, yeah, that's where I want to go. Um, it was awesome, but it was chaotic. It, you, you've seen uh, some, I was standing there, Shannon and I were standing there at one point, somewhere, I couldn't tell you because there's so many people around, and this one lady looks at, at her husband, and she says, I am being hit by a cart. And she said it loud enough, like the lady behind her, instead of like turning around and saying, excuse me, you're hitting me in the, the buttocks with your cart, can you stop? She just kind of let, uh, let her opinion or whatever fly out, and uh, it was just, I was standing like chuckling, like, okay, this is what brings, it, th- this is what the season is all about. <laughs> Remember, the, the promises, uh, you know, the, the promises in which you're given um, are, are not always the promises in which we need fulfilled. Uh, and I say the, that in the sense that th- there's so much anticipation that comes with this season. We promise our kids that they'll be, you know, get this gift or they'll get that. Or they promise that, um, that this, this will take place or that will take place. Well, it, we put all of our hope in a promise that really doesn't bring satisfaction. It doesn't bring fulfillment. We put our promise in, in material things um, and, and material uh, being, you know, these, these great deals. That now, are, 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 is stuff bad? No, stuff isn't bad. But if we're looking for our satisfaction and our enjoyment and um, looking for our fulfillment and stuff, uh, we're going to set ourselves up for um, a disappointment. And, and I say that because the promise in which God has given us is not a promise in which he, one, he cannot fulfill, but is two, that is not going to satisfy us. 
The promise in which he is giving will, will most definitely be satisfying, but I think that we have to understand what this promise really is. So, um, we're going to answer a few questions today. One, the question we're going to answer primarily is, what did God promise and when did he promise it? But I think before we, we do that, I, I want to kind of, I want to have you sit there with your Bibles open because you guys got to get used to having your Bibles open. Um, that was kind of a sarcastic mark, but that's all right. Uh, but sit there with your Bibles open, just kind of let, let your Bible get accustomed to being open to, to Genesis chapter 3, because this is where really a, a lot of stuff that we're going to uh, um, live in the next few weeks is going to be. But uh, while, while you're sitting there with your, your Bibles open, I want to answer this question that what is Advent? So uh, make a little column in your notes or however you do it to just kind of let, let, let's understand what Advent is because when we understand what Advent is, we, we will better understand the promise, the problem, and the solution. So Advent, Latin word adventus, okay? That's where it comes from, which means coming, all right? It means the coming. So when we go, we enter into Advent season, it's the, the season of coming. Well, the, the, the coming in which we, we talk about is what we celebrate on uh, Christmas Day, the coming of Jesus Christ. So that is the first Advent. Now, uh, when we understand that we're celebrating the first Advent, the first coming of Jesus Christ, what we have to understand is we're also looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Advent is not only looking back, it's also looking forward. It's not only looking back to what has taken place, we're looking forward to what will take place. And that's where we, when we talk about um, love and joy and peace and hope, that's where we get that is because Christ is coming again. He came as, as a baby. He came, you know, six pounds or eight pounds, six ounces, little baby Jesus in golden fleece diapers. You know, that's what Ricky Bobby says. He came in, in, in a manger he came in a lowly state, you know, a, a, no place for him at the end. That's the way in which he came the first time. But the second time he says he's going to come, the, the, the clouds are going to split, the sky is going to split open. He's going to uh, come with a big tattoo on his, his, uh, his thigh. He's going to come in power and in strength. We're looking forward to that second coming, but we know that he's coming again because of the first coming. So Adventus is, is all about coming. Now, Understand this, there's no biblical mandate that says we have to observe Advent, all right? So don't, don't think that if you haven't done it in the past, is well, we must not be really been going to a good church because they never did that. No, there's no biblical mandate that says we have to, uh, we have to um, observe Advent. Advent is a season of, of, of helping us remember, remembering what took place and remembering looking forward to what will take place. So let's get in our mind that the understanding that the Advent is, um, it's, it's really for, it's, this is one of those things, if we're going to talk about uh, Christmas and, and Charlie Brown and, you know, the commercialization of Christmas, this is one thing that is a consumer pro product. This is for you. Advent is for you. It's to help you and I remember. 
It's, help, it's to help us understand what took place. This can be personal growth time. This can be spiritual growth time. There are a lot of, of good resources that you can um, go and, and view this time of year, like Advent reading plans. So you, you know that you know, in these uh, next four weeks, you know what to read and how to, you know, what, what the focus is going to be. But you can also understand that, okay, I have a focus, I have a purpose. A, um, I like to say it as a recentering time. Um, Advent is a good time. It's kind of like when we take uh, uh, the Lord's Supper of communion. It's a time which we can refocus and recenter on Christ and what he has done. Advent is that the same type of, of, of um, uh, celebration, remembrance, so we can refocus on what Christ has done. Because at the end of the day, when, when, when you are, are out in your community, if it's at work or if it's at school or wherever it is, you're to be a, um, a, a, a light. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're to be a light in a dark world, right? We need to refocus on the light. Refocus it. Okay, remember last week we talked about we need to refill our lamp. We need to be replenished. Well, Advent helps us get that refocusing um, into order. It helps us take it, and with all of the busyness going on, because uh, this is the, probably the busiest time of year for everyone, everybody's busy, with all of the busyness going on, we need to have focus, because if we don't have focus, we'll get caught up in all the hype, and, and then what's going to happen is Christmas is going to come, and the present in which you got your child that you were so psyched about, they're gonna be, that you're going to say, man, there's, this is going to knock their socks off. Um, about an hour or two after they open it up, they're going to be playing with the box, and you're going to be like, why did I spend all that money? I should have just bought a box. Right? All of your anticipation, if it's put into stuff, and if, if it's put into, um, if it's focused on the wrong thing, it, you're going to be let down. That's what I love about Jesus Christ, is because if our anticipation, our focus is on him, we will never be let down. That's what, what Advent, the season is all about. So it's a time. It's of a time for remembering. It's a time for rejoicing. But it's also a time for watching and waiting. We, we should. The Bible tells us that we ne- we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. We know how he's going to come back, but we don't know when he's going to come back. So we need to understand that we need to be uh, living our lives um, in a, like like Paul says in a, a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when he does come back, what we're doing, we're not ashamed of what we're doing when he comes and he catches us doing it. Make sense? So th- this is another time of year that like okay, if you if you're um, spiritually out of order, what, however you want to uh, say, spiritually discombobulated. Well, this is a good time to to get into order. Now, I'm not saying that you got to get all, everything, um, everything has to be uh, um, sinless and, and, and you have to be perfect. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if you know that there's things going on that is spiritually out of, of order and there's disorder and there's chaos within, inside your relationship with God, you need to focus on, on, on changing that. And that's what, what a good time of year. This is a good time of year for that. So if you are sitting in your deer stand tomorrow morning at 6.30, because sun comes up at like 6.45 or whatever, I don't know. Um, but when you're sitting there and you, you have plenty of time and the squirrels are running around and everything, guys and gals, if you're sitting there, you have plenty of time. Use that as a time of, okay, this is, this is the time that, okay, I, I got to remember. I got to rejoice in what, what has happened, but I need to look forward to what, what, what is going to happen, what, waiting for, for Christ. So if, if 
If Jesus split the sky open right now and came back, other than finding me in my deer stand, and I hope that that 10 point is not standing behind me when he splits the sky open because that would be terrible. I wouldn't get that mounted on my wall. Um, no, it wouldn't be terrible. It would be a great, great thing because there's going to be deer in heaven that we can shoot. Uh, but in think about, you can think about this where, where what is it that's going on in my life that I am, um, as, a, as, a, as a believer, as a, as a son, as a daughter of God, what is, is it that makes me uncomfortable in my, my relationship with him? And you have plenty of time to sit there and, and think about that. But don't just think about it. Do something about that. If you're not sitting in the, in the deer stand, do this. Take some time to get away from the busyness. If it's for 10 minutes, if it's for 15 minutes, whatever it is, and just think about, okay, my relationship with Christ, what does that look like? If he was to come back right now, would I be embarrassed of a or B or C or what, what, was, what is going on? Take this time to, to, to kind of reflect on, on that. So Advent is not only just a time in which we can look back, it's a time in which we can look forward. I, I love this. Um, one theologian, he, he writes uh, about um, Advent. He says, during Advent, believers are reminded of how much we ourselves also need a Savior. So Advent is not only um, looking at uh, what it is I need to do, but it's reminding us that we are not self-sufficient. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we are insufficient. What it means is we're not self-sufficient. We're not um, to rely uh, um, independently, like we don't need anything outside of ourselves. No, it, it reminds us that we, we need a Savior, we're going to see in a second why this is all this, but he says, it reminded of how much we ourselves also need a Savior, and we look forward to our Savior's second coming as, as we prepare to celebrate His first coming. So that's what Advent's all about. It's celebrating the first coming, looking forward to uh, the second coming. The real question I want to answer today is, what it is, is it that God promised? So as you're looking here at Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read, um, let's just start in verse 1. I mean, we've got plenty of time. Look at that. If we don't know the, prom the problem, we won't understand the promise. If we don't understand the problem, we don't see the problem, we don't identify that, the, the problem, the promise is no promise. It's just, uh, okay. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, well, here, if, if, if somebody um, uh, approaches you with those words, um, your warning flags, whistles and buzzers and everything should go off. Did God actually say, and then whatever. So did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not, or not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So right off the bat, we understand that, that um, the, the, this, this lie... 
that, that was given. The, the serpent um, is the, the, the embodiment of, of, of evil. This, the, the serpent, the great serpent of old, this is the devil. He's, he's coming in here and he's, he's taking and he's just lying. He's implanting a lie into Eve's ear. Adam's right there with her. We're going to see this. But what we have to understand is he, he's, he comes with a lie. And the lie is that, okay, you know, if God, God knows if you take of this, you're going to be like him, right? How, how, how is that a lie? Well, we know that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. They were already like God in their image. They're image bearers of God. So the, the, the devil was trying to uh, uh, take and, and attack them in a manner to get them to believe something that was already true about them. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So we can't go in that age-old way. It was the woman's fault. No, it wasn't the woman's fault. Adam was there too. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Pause for a second. So what we have here, this is the, 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 the beauty in, in all of this, even though it's a, it's a terrible time. This is what is known, and most of you know this, but if you don't, this is what's known as the fall. Okay, so God, what we have to understand is God, when he created heavens and earth, when he created um, the universe, he created it in, in a manner which was perfect. It was complete. But something happened when he, um, he, he gave uh, the, the, this, this, this choice, this free will um, to, to man here to make this decision mankind, to make this decision. Why he did that, I don't know. I mean, it's scholars and theologians and pastors and everybody talk about that all the time. Let's just say because he wanted to. Um, God gave this. He, he made perfection. He supplied everything that they needed. And all he did is he gave one, he gave one uh, rule. Don't eat of that tree. That's it. It wasn't a, a, a long list. It wasn't something that you had uh, 15 steps and, and 25 different um, rules to adhere to. He said, one thing, don't eat of that tree. Well, we see here that, that what happened is that they did exactly what um, God told them not to do. So they openly rebelled against God. And when they openly rebelled against God, sin entered into the world. When sin entered into the world, it, it fractured the relationship between God and man. So this is the problem. So if you're writing, taking notes, the problem is that there's a fracture in the relationship between God and his creation, mankind. That's the problem because if we, if we think that, well, man's really not that bad and we can like work our way to God, that's then what it is is there's just a... Um, uh, um, uh, 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 an illness or an ailment that keeps us from God. And we can just get better and we can do good things and, and kind of overcome the bad, badness, uh, whatever it's a word, the badness, the stuff in our life, and we can make our way to God. Like we can cross over this divide. Well, that's not what, what Scripture talks about. It talks that there's a fracture. There is an inseparable chasm that is between the creator and the created. 
Now, is that what God intended? No, we know that God intended, did not intend it to be that way, but God giving the choice to mankind, this is what happened. So I think that in our society, especially, um, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, um, talking about analysts. You know, we talk, there, there are uh, political analysts and there are sports analysts, and they, they talk about, they analyze every movement of everything, why this person did this, and what could happen if, if, what if, this, what, you know, they go on and on and on about all this stuff. We can try to analyze all of why Adam and Eve did this and, and, and everything, but what we need to look is just the, at the outcome. The outcome is that there's now a chasm between God and man. God and mankind. So there's this huge chasm, which presents a problem. And I love how um, after, after this took place, so after they took a, partook of the, the fruit and, and sin entered into um, the world, understand that sin entered into the world by the willful disobedience of, the, of Adam and Eve. Every one of us, I don't care what your doctrinal thesis is uh, for your, your degree in theology or whatever it may be, um, what we have to understand is you willfully have disobeyed God. We have willfully, some of you, some of us, I should say, have done it today, right? We've willfully disobeyed God. So what we're doing is we're reinforcing that there's this big chasm. There's a huge problem that's going on right here. The problem is not just the end of the story, though. I love how after the problem is identified, after their eyes were opened and they see, no, I'm naked, I need to do something about this, they took it upon themselves to try to cover that. Don't raise your hands, don't, but just think about this. Think about when you sin, when you have committed a sin, how many times do you try to cover what it is that you've done? Verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Which is kind of just, if you think about this um, in uh, uh, an understanding of God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere all the time, like trying to hide yourself from God, it's impossible. God is everywhere. He sees everything, everything. Even Santa Claus doesn't see everything, right? No, God sees everything. When you think that you're getting away with something, you're not getting away with it because God sees you. When you think, well, this sin or whatever it is that I'm doing is not affecting anybody else, you're, you're, you're believing the lie of the devil. No one's ever going to find out. Well, we learned last week that nothing will um, be hidden forever. Everything will come to light eventually. But we have to understand, like, so here they, they sinned, they tried to cover their sin, and now they're trying to hide from God. Like, well, if we just hide behind this tree, he'll never see us. Maybe we can get through this. No one in here has ever done that, right? Well, at least one person has. I know I have. We, we call it running from God. Like, we do something wrong, and we know that it's wrong, but we're too, one, prideful to say that we're wrong. Two, we're too scared to, to, to face the, the, the consequences. Three, I don't know, it's just that um, you like what it is that you've done wrong, and, and, and that sin is enticing. And I'm sure you can go on four, five, six, twelve, whatever, 
But we, we justify it away with what we do, and then we're like, okay, I just hide it a little bit. This is that secret sin that I've got. This is my indulgence that I do when no one else is looking, and it's okay. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? I like that because God knew where they were at, but he was giving Adam the chance to, 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 to speak. It, 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 he was putting that, that, that proverbial ball in his court. Okay, God knew what was going on. Now he's given this, the opportunity for, for man to come clean here. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So did God know that, he, that, that what Adam and Eve did or, already, or did God, was this like a surprise to God? No, God knew. And, and, and this is important for us because when we sin, there's, there is something that has to take place for us to uh, do something about that sin. We have to identify what it is that we've done is wrong. Too many times what we do is we sin and ah, it's okay and we justify it away and we move on. Well, if we justify away a, a sin, what we do is we become comfortable with that. When we become comfortable with that, it's easier to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. We're not going to do anything. Um, uh, uh, we're not going to do anything in, in the realm or in the in the way of changing something until we see that it's wrong or it's bad or it needs changed. Here, God is making it perfectly clear that this is the lesson in which we need to see is he, he's putting this ball into to Adam's court, Adam and Eve's court to say, okay, you guys realize what you've done is wrong. And they know that because they're hiding from him. Because, I mean, before Superman, God had x-ray vision, right? He could see through those trees. And here's the, the great response. The man said, well, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. No one has ever blame shifted here, right? No one has, no? None of you have siblings then, right? <laughs> so we got three kids. You all know that. So if something happens and you know one of them have done it, what do they do? Well, they're always, it's usually Haley and Michaela are pointing at Gabe, he did it. <laughs> yeah, but why did he do it? You weren't antagonizing him, were you? No. Never. We have angels with horns. All right, so the, the, the man said, <laughs> it's the woman in which you gave me, so it's her fault. Then the Lord said to the woman, and, and I love how he kind of uh, uh, um, just, he, he um, what's the word I'm looking for? What? No, he didn't. Well, he did. Yeah, he did shut him down. But but he he entertains their their little uh, uh, blame shifting. He entertains their little comments here. So he he goes then to the woman. So the man said, "Well, it's her fault." And the woman then said, "Or said the the woman said, what, what where am I at? Thirteen. Then the Lord God said to the woman, "This is what is this that you have done?" And the woman said. The serpent deceived me and ate. So the man blamed the woman. The woman blamed the serpent. In my mind, I mean, the, the only legit answer here is the woman's 
legit. And it is a woman's answer because she, she was deceived by the serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. So understand this. When this sin was identified, when the, the, the questions were asked, God asked Adam, God asked Eve. Now he says to the serpent, because you have done this, this is what's going to happen. This is where we're going to get the first, the promise here. So the problem is that there's a fracture. Something's wrong. The promise here that we get is in verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Some translations say that he shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. What we have here is what um, uh, you know, theologians call the proto-euangelion, which is basically, it means the first gospel. This is the first time in the Bible, this is all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, the first time in the Bible that we have this promise that God, knowing that something is wrong, he is going to give the solution for it. This is the, the first time that the, the cross of Jesus Christ is identified. This is the first. So, so what we have is, is we, we can't live in this understanding or this mindset that, you know, Jesus didn't come until the New Testament. So the Old Testament is kind of doesn't matter and it, we can't really get anything out of that. No, what the Old Testament does is it gives us the problem and the promise. And what we have in the rest of Scripture is the fulfillment of that promise. We have here that when Jesus, or I'm sorry, when, when uh, God here addresses the serpent, he says, okay, you are the one that caused this. Well, don't, don't think that it is, is Adam and Eve that caused this. It's the deception of the devil that caused this. All sin makes its way back to Satan. So when we understand that, that all sin makes its way back to, to Satan, what, what God is doing right here is he's going to the root of the problem. Because of you, because of what you have done, the deception in which you have done, your head is going to be crushed. There is going to be, so let's look at this. If I were to crush Jeremiah's head, that would not be a good thing, right? It'd be unpleasant. He would cease not to exist. That's what is happening here. This is what, what, what God is, he's, he's pronouncing judgment on the devil here. On the serpent, he's saying, okay, your head will be crushed. You have no hope from here on out because of what you have done. But the beautiful part about this is we understand that because of the, that, that uh, Satan is going to be conquered, has been conquered by the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have victory. So what we have is now the, the problem in which was here, this great chasm between God and mankind, we have a, 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 the promise that is given here. Okay, here's what's going to happen is the, 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 um, the cause of this is going to be crushed. And because the cause of this is going to be crushed, there is going to be um, someone and something, or I should say something and someone that's going to bridge this gap. 
And the one who's going to bridge this gap is going to be the one we call Emmanuel. It's the one that, that, that we, we call uh, the Messiah. It's the one we call Jesus Christ. We, we understand that, that this was um, thousands and thousands and thousands of years before Jesus even came. Turn over with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 it was one of your homework uh, texts. In Isaiah chapter 9, we, we see, we'll look at verse 1 through 7. Um, pause for a second. Homework for this week so I don't forget it. Um, Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And Luke 2, 1 through 7. Yeah, up on the, the screen there. I, I don't want to forget that. What we understand, that the, the, the promise in which God gave all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 was, uh, was, was brought up and was reiterated through the years. Thousands of years, he, he continued to tell and give this promise. It was foreshadowing of what was to come. Look at, at uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Uh, okay, Galilee, for those that are geographically inclined, we know that in uh, the Middle East there, around Palestine, Galilee is up in the, the northern part. That's where Jesus grew up. It says in verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. This one, everybody knows this next verse. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The promise that was given of the, the serpent's head being crushed and the Messiah that is going to come, the, 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 the first giving of the gospel, Isaiah here, 600 plus years before Jesus came on scene, Isaiah is saying the same thing over. He, he's saying that this, this uh, promise, he, he's given more um, particulars, more specifics to this promise. I, I like to look at this and understand, like, so um, the candle in which we, we lit today, the candle in which we lit, like Jake told us, is the prophecy candle. 
And the prophecy candle, it opens a period that anticipates Christmas and remembers those who spoke the promise of the coming of the Christ child. So this was like, the, it's, it's the beginning of this Advent season, so it's the prophecy candle, so we can remember those who spoke the promise of the Christ child. Isaiah wasn't the only one that spoke the promise of, of, of Jesus coming. Multiple prophets did. But what we have to understand, before any of the prophets spoke the coming of the Christ child, of the Messiah, God spoke it. Back all the way in Genesis chapter 3. We understand that the promise that was given because of the problem in which is, is among uh, the creation, the promise that was given, I, I love the fulfillment if you look at the, what, what Isaiah says, um, the fulfillment's going to be, the promise that was given by God is going to be fulfilled by God. L- look at that. Look in, in verse um, chapter 6, the, the last part of verse chapter 6. So this child is going to be born. We know it's the child that's going to be born. It says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Okay? We know Jesus was a wonderful counselor. Look at the next... The next description here, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God is saying, okay, the immensity of the problem and the magnitude of the promise, only one can fulfill that. Only I can do that. That's what God is saying. And he has done that, the first coming, he has done that with the child. The Christ child. Yeah, I, I think it's funny that we, we do say the, the Ricky Bobby thing, eight pounds, six ounces, little baby Jesus in his golden fleece diapers. Okay, it's funny. But what we have to understand is when Christ came the first time, he came in a manner in which no one expected that the Savior of the world would come. The anticipation for the coming of the Messiah was, it was very um, heightened. There was a great anticipation because they thought, okay, as soon as the Messiah comes, everything's going to be cool. You know, they're gonna t- he's going to come in and he's going to wipe out all the, the oppression and God's people are going to live in peace and harmony forever. He's going to come in with a big bang. No, he didn't come in with a big bang. He come in in a, a, a little feeding trough in a little town of Bethlehem. We'll learn more about that next week. But what we need to understand is this promise that that God has given is fulfilled by God. Turn just a few pages to the right and turn to Isaiah chapter 53. When we remember and we, we uh, view Advent, we have to understand it started in the garden. But it didn't end in the garden. It started in the garden. It started with this, this, this problem. He, a promise was given. And there is specific fulfillment of this promise. Look at uh, Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? 
And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that, should be, that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So before we go further, who's he, who, who are they talking about? Jesus. They're talking about the Messiah. Look at verse 4. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let, let, let that just sink in for a second. I mean, I, I think that when we think of, 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 of Christmas and we think of the, the lights and the trees and the you know, peace, love, hope, joy, you know, all of this stuff, it, we, we get this um, understanding, which is it's good. None of that stuff's bad. We, we get this understanding that it's okay, this is all um, on the up and up. Everything's to be in, in, encouraged and we need to be happy and joyful. And yes, but none of that is, is possible without understanding what took place to make that possible. It's only because Jesus bridged this gap. It's only because that we have now the opportunity to have a relationship with the eternal God. Because without Christ and without what like, uh, Isaiah says here, without uh, our iniquities, our sin being put upon Christ, without him paying the penalty for our sin, we could not have a relationship with our eternal father. That's not something that, that we, we should, one, wave the, the, the flag of, ha ha, we know Jesus and you don't, you're all going to hell and we're not. It doesn't work that way. What it is, is we're like, wow, I know what I've done. I know who I am, and I know who I, I, I was without him. Because I am who I am, and I'm not Popeye, but because I am who I am in Christ, because of what he has done, that's where I get my, my peace and my, my joy and my hope. That's what we want to, that's the Christmas cheer in which we're supposed to spread. It's not letting, oh, happy Christmas, and it's, it's all kumbaya. No, it's, I, I love you. Do you know why we do this? And then from there, it's, that's the, the joy and the excitement. Because when the sky splits open and the second advent happens, you want everybody who is looking, that is sitting around you right now, Maybe you don't, but you should. Want everybody who around you be be on the, the the bus going that way, right? That's what we want. That's what we should desire. And this is the time that we remember. Okay, this is what he's done. This is what it will happen. I got something to do in the, in between here. I have hope. I have joy. I have peace. I know that God has put me here for a purpose. God's made you you for a reason, right? That's my new slogan for, I don't know how, until God gives me another one. Because I, I think it's important that everybody understands they have a purpose. 
The purpose is to remember that, that being the, the first coming, and looking forward to that, that being the second coming. And understanding in between that, you, okay, you have, you have a responsibility to make sure as many people get on the bus as possible. We'll put that baby to max capacity, right? We'll blow out the windows. Or we'll get another bus, right? But what we have to understand, which it, what is paramount is the fulfillment of the promise in which God has set forth is in, is in him. It's not in anything else. It's not in good works. It's not in uh, giving so much of this or doing so much of that or, or saying so much of this or anything. The promise is a fulfillment of what Christ has already done and putting your hope and your trust in that. Saying, you know what? I, the only ticket that, that I'm going to have to get on that bus is what Christ has already done because my sins were put upon him and he paid the penalty for my sin. So Advent season is remembering not only what is, has come, what, what will come, but remembering what took place in between. One last text and we're done. First uh, Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your salvation. The salvation, I'm sorry, the outcome of your faith, faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what Advent's all about. It's the hope in which we have because of what has happened and what will happen. As we continue on in the next few weeks in this Advent season, let's take this seriously. Let's understand that we have we have something that is so precious. It's pre more precious than any gift in which can be given to us on earth. The gift that, that, that Jesus gave us of eternal life. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Uh, Lord, we love you. Um, we ask as we have uh, just talked about the, the, the first candle and, and the meaning and talked about, went through the, this first week, uh, first Sunday of Advent, God, that we can kind of just get a better understanding of what it has happened, what will happen, and that you have a purpose for us. And this purpose is important. God, let us identify that there, there is a problem and that you've given us the solution to that problem and you promised us that. Lord, let us find hope, peace, and joy 
and the fulfillment of all that you promised in your son, Jesus Christ. Because it's in his name that we pray all this. Amen. Let's stand.